Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. It is, I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We're standing by. We've got pastors every weekday standing by to take those calls for you here on Calvary Live from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time every weekday. And it's my great pleasure to be with you every Friday. So it's a beautiful day here in Colorado. Looks like we're going to get some rain. If you're listening today here on the Front Range of Colorado, it is July 15th. It is a Friday. So I want to welcome our listeners listening on Grace FM as well as gracefm.com and the Grace FM app. You're hearing the show live today, as are those of you listening on the Radio by Grace Network with stations all over the U.S., especially the southern states. The Radio by Grace Network is an amazing network based in Amarillo, Texas, and they've got uh, they've built just this great network of Christian Bible-teaching radio stations all over the United States. So welcome to all of you who are listening on Radio by Grace stations. You're also hearing the show live today. Again, July 15th is the date. It's a Friday. I want to also greet those who are listening on the East Coast, on Hope FM and uh, Truth FM in so those are in respectively in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland for Hope FM, and Truth FM is based in Tennessee. And we also want to greet those listening on Higher Rock Radio based in Meridian, Idaho. So welcome to all of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. So that we also have uh, some listeners online today. What's cool about that is where we, we can see a map of where you're tuning in live right now. So we've got listeners tuning in right now in the Bay Area of California, up into Oregon and Washington, down in Los Angeles, up and down the Front Range here in Colorado, throughout the Midwest, in Dallas, Chicago. We've got listeners on the East Coast, along the Eastern Seaboard, and in the area around Appalachia as well. So wherever you're tuning in from, welcome to you. I see we also have some listeners in Europe today. So welcome to you. And uh, hey, if you haven't done so yet, go and get that Grace FM app. It's a great way for you to listen to the show anywhere you travel to or anywhere you are in the world. And maybe you have a friend who lives outside of our broadcast, over-the-air broadcast range. Maybe that's a way that they can still be tuning in and involved. We often get calls and we get texts from people who, who live in areas where they can't hear us over the air, but they are tuning in. Uh, via the app and via the internet. So that's a really cool option for you. If you haven't done so yet, really encourage you to do that. But again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. 
Well, again, this is a show where you call in with your prayer requests and your questions about the Bible. So let's say you've been listening to uh, this show or some of the other programming on your local Christian radio station. Maybe you heard something that you were confused by. Maybe you've been reading your Bible and you're, you're not sure about what the meaning of a certain passage is. Or maybe there's something that you're wondering about or that you've always wondered about. This is a great opportunity for you to call in with those kinds of questions. And maybe there's something going on in your life or something in society, and you wonder, what does the Bible have to say about that situation? That would be a great thing to call in about. Or if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you over the air and have all those who are listening be able to join with us in saying yes and amen as we lift that up to the Lord. So don't hesitate in calling or texting. One more time, 303-690-3000 is the call line. And the text number, 720-336-0897. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We are a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this great city. And where we're located, for those of you, if you're within driving distance of Longmont, I'd like to personally invite you to come and join us and worship with us on a Sunday morning. We're located just in between I-25 and County Line Road here on Highway 119. So what that means is that you um, we're on the east side of Longmont, kind of the extreme east end of Longmont as it stretches towards I-25. We're right on Highway 119. If you know where the Walmart is on the southeast side of Longmont, or if you know where Sandstone Ranch Community Park is, we're directly north of Sandstone Ranch Park on the north side of Highway 119. Uh, but our location is actually really great because we're so close to some major roads were on a major highway, and that makes us accessible to all those who are in surrounding communities, even uh, the kind of north Denver suburbs, as well as all the way up into uh, northern Colorado. So if you're in, let's say, like Frederick, Firestone, Decono area, if you're in Longmont, if you're in Loveland or Berthoud, if you're in um, Pinewood Springs, Lyons, North Boulder, Niwot, if you're in Lafayette or Erie, or even Thornton, we'd love to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services are at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m., and uh, we are we study through the Bible verse by verse. Currently, we're in a series in which we're studying through uh, the book of 2 Corinthians. We studied through 1 Corinthians at the end of last year. Now we're in 2 Corinthians. And I got to say, we're in a passage that's actually one of my favorite in the entire Bible. It's a passage called the Great Digression. And it goes from uh, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, all the way through 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5. And it's where Paul shares his heart about life and ministry uh, in the midst of suffering and hardship, right? Like, what does it mean to walk with God and serve God in the midst of the difficulties and hardships we face in this life? And so, um, yeah, I'd love it if you'd join us on Sunday morning. Um, yeah, our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. So 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. And you can also find directions and all the great information you need, as well as listen to some of our past sermons and things like that, on our website at whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com. And a few things you can be praying for us for before we go to our callers. We just did a outreach, actually, last week with Grace FM here in Longmont. Uh, we have a big festival called Rhythm on the River, which is right here on the St. Vrain River in Longmont. And um, Grace FM came out, and for two days we were just meeting people 
gospel, getting to uh, talk with them, invite them to church. And you know what? We saw a lot of people from Rhythm on the River actually uh, show up at church. Many people were getting their Grace FM t-shirts. And so uh, throughout the next couple of years, I expect to see tons of people repping the Grace FM stuff throughout Longmont, spreading the word about this station and the good work that God's doing through it, including this show, Calvary Live. And um, we're hoping and praying that many of those people we met will through the connection we made with them, hear about Jesus and put their faith in him. So be praying for that. Other thing you can be praying for, we're starting VBS next week. We've got a bunch of kids signed up. And uh, actually, I, I'm not saying this as an advertisement because our it's actually closed. We've got more kids than we know what to do with. So be praying for us. Be praying for our volunteers. Be praying that as these kids come to our VBS, and you know what? There's a lot of VBSs taking place at churches all over Colorado and in your listening areas as well. If you're outside of Colorado, be praying for these VBS events. Statistics show that a lot of times it's when God takes hold of a child's heart that sets their life on a, on a trajectory that lasts a lifetime. So be praying that that happens through the VBS events. And one last thing, I'm actually going to be um, in Austria next week. And what's funny is I was just telling this to a producer, I'm going to be in Austria next week, but I'm actually going to make it back in time to do the Friday show as well. So I won't miss a Friday show, but I will be in Austria doing a conference for aid workers in Ukraine. So just be praying for me that I could have uh, be used by God to bring comfort and hope to these people who have been in a literal war zone for the last several months. And um, and trying they're trying to bring comfort and hope to people. We hope this will be a refreshing time for them. So please be praying for that. Well, with that, let's go to our first caller, Alan in Fort Carson, Colorado. Hi, Alan. Welcome to the program. Hi there. Um, I'm sorry. Could I get your name again? My name is Pastor Nick. Hi, Pastor Nick. Um, so recently I got into a relationship with somebody. I want to say it was about uh, like two or three months ago, I think. Um, and uh, we're both, you know, we, we both love the Lord. We, we both have, uh, we both have faith. Um, and we're both kind of like, we both have this understanding or this agreement that like, we don't want to just go at this. Uh, the whole dating thing, like just your average, you know, teens dating. I'm only uh, 20, she's 19, right? We're both mm -hmm. young. Um, but we don't want to approach this relationship like it's just another, like, teen dating and we might break up in a, uh, in a few months or a year. Uh, we're thinking long-term, like, what if we got married one day? Um, that's long-term long in the future. Regardless, I want to ask you, with, in that regard, um, what can I do right now um, in this in this moment to not just be a better not just be a better husband in the future, uh, a better lover for her, and a better uh, man, uh, a godly man, um, the kind yeah. that you know would have a wonderful and flourishing relationship with this person. Yeah, no, that's a great, uh, great desire, and I think that's honorable. I'm glad that you you have that desire for your relationship and for her, if she is the one that God has for you as a future spouse. Here's what I would tell you: um, a few things. Number one is start to lay out some good patterns for life now, right? So whether this person ends up being your future spouse or not, um, remember this: if she, if you don't end up marrying her statistically likely she's going to marry someone else. Uh, 
And so if you have not yet asked her to marry you, committed her to her to marry you, then realize that this, this may be someone else's wife in the future. And so how would you uh, treat her if that was the case, right? And so it doesn't mean that you can't get to know her, but what it does mean is treat her with respect and honor, right? Honor her um, as, as she deserves to be, as a sister in the Lord. And the other thing I would say is, look, build a friendship. I think this is a missed thing that a lot of people do in relationships. They think of um, long-term, you know, marital relationships as being about romance, when in many cases, I think that the, the basis of a strong Christian marriage is what I would call godly, Christ-centered friendship, which is this. I want you to become friends, right? And And I want that friendship. Friendship is always based on a shared interest or purpose. And so make sure that your shared interest and purpose is that you both are seeking Jesus and that besides any romantic thing, you have an actual relationship. You have a friendship. And so, um, yeah, and, and someone just texted in and said, yeah, you know, marriage is really difficult when you're not actually friends. I have seen that as a pastor, right? Of people who got married because they were attracted or let's say just because they were Christians and they didn't know any other Christians. And they never really developed a friendship, and that's that's been a big struggle for them. And so I would say, use this opportunity, build friendship. Here's another one. Uh, build into your relationship some godly patterns, right? So Bible reading, church going. And I would say also befriend and invite some older couples that you know to spend time with you, right? So as couple, as a couple, you and your girlfriend can, can uh, be around an older Christian couple. See what they do, learn from them, ask them questions, maybe go on double dates, if you will. That's a good way to also, you know, spend spend time with people who are going to be edifying to you and people who are going to instruct you and prepare you. And um, yeah, I guess finally beyond that, I would say, you know, the problem with dating. So some people are like, hey, you should never date. Okay, well, you, you have to define everything nowadays, right? Like, so what do you mean by dating? If you just mean like the what the world does, which is essentially playing married couple or being uh, sexually active with a person um, before you're married, well, clearly you shouldn't do that. That's out, outside the bounds of what scripture teaches and allows. However, I would say the value in dating is simply this. If it's just two people getting to know each other to see if they are a fit in uh, physical, spiritual, and emotional ways— um, there, that's a good thing. So you should try to get to know this person. And I wouldn't be too cautious about, you know, is this dating? Is it courtship? You know, the meaning of words changes over time. Just focus on this. Be right and godly before the Lord as you get to know each other. Establish those godly patterns. Honor her, respect her. And uh, But if the time is right and you decide that you both want to be married, I think that that would be a good thing too. Yeah, I really like that. Um... I really like that answer, actually. It's, um, and uh, I don't know if it sounds like strange that like I'm, I'm asking this at such a young age, um, but it's, uh, it, it's it's near and dear to my heart. Um, not just in in respect to um, you know the actual idea of, of getting married uh, one day, but I just um, I just want to be able to um, be somebody that can love and provide and protect, not just for her, but I think this question kind of, um, kind of helps me, um, I guess you could say navigate through 
other relationships I'm having, not necessarily with her, but uh, relationships with, you know, uh, the people that I love, relationships with uh, friends, family. That mm. um, it's, so it's very helpful. It's very refreshing. Um, well, I appreciate yeah. it. I tell you what, the Bible has a ton to say about relationships because it's all about relationship with God. And because of our relationship with God, it affects our relationships with others. And so, yeah, read the scriptures, learn from them act upon them. So I, I think you're on a good course and you have good desires. So God bless you in that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Nick. I appreciate it. You bet. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. Call us with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you and and talk with you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Rosemary in Frederick, Colorado. Hi, Rosemary. Welcome to the program. Well, Rosemary, I'm not sure if you're still there. Don't hear anything, but uh, I do see your prayer request written here. And that is this. Uh, Rosemary said that she had a stroke recently. She's praying that God would restore her functions. She's currently needs a wheelchair, a walker, and a cane. So let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we lift up a rosemary to you, and we ask, Lord, that you would restore the damage that was done via the stroke uh, through her brain, neurological system, the signals that aren't getting to the place they need to. Lord, we pray for her that you would restore that. Lord, we pray that you would do it miraculously. If you uh, choose to use physical therapy, Lord, I pray that you would give her the strength to, to go through that therapy and wisdom for the therapists as they treat her. And so, Lord, we just ask for her that she would make progress in getting back the functions she lost. And, Lord, I also pray for her that in the midst of those prayers, I'm just reminded of Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, where he says that in his weakness, he realized that God's strength was actually made perfect in his weakness, um, that it wasn't in spite of his weakness that God wanted to use him and work in his life, but it was actually through his weakness. And so, Lord, I pray that for Rosemary, Lord, that she would experience that grace that you have for her in the midst of her weakness, the grace of, grace of faith, which is trusting in you, not in spite of weakness, but in weakness. And so, Lord, I pray for her that you would meet her in that place, do an amazing work in her life. And we also do pray for her healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rosemary, for calling in and uh, letting us pray for you. What an honor. I would just encourage anybody else out there, if you have a prayer request, we are here to pray for you on the air, and we would love to answer any questions you have about life and about the Bible. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We've got all open lines right now. It's a great time to call in. Let's head over to our text line and see what kinds of texts have come in um, and who we can pray for or answer their questions. All right, so this person says, um, I know this isn't word for word in the Bible, but does it mention in the end times there will be doctrines of demons would it be biblical to say that Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon church, more likely uh, than seeing an angel, he saw a demon, as, uh, which gave him the doctrine, which is the basis of his false teaching? 
Yeah. So, um, so first of all, I do think that that would be a good application of that verse, and I'm going to find that verse for you. It is found in First Timothy four, verse one, and I want to read you that in context. It says, uh, "Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons." through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. And then he goes on to describe some of the things that they will do. Okay, so um, I would just say that I think those two verses actually describe very well, in my opinion, uh, would be um, considered, uh, yeah, would be what the Mormon church has done through the teachings of Joseph Smith and those who came after him. I would say, yeah, deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, right? This is similar to what Paul says in Galatians chapter one. And I want to read you that as well. Um, but notice this, he says, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. I mean, we have abundant reason to believe that Joseph Smith knew exactly what he was doing when he said that he had seen this thing. He had these special glasses. He read these tablets that had this writing on them. He was the only one who could interpret these hieroglyphics through the glasses, etc. And that's all been disproven. Even many of the teachings that he wrote in the uh, in the Book of Mormon, right, about how the uh, Native Americans are actually Jewish people who came on an ark-like boat that they built, sailed through the Mediterranean and through across the Atlantic into North America. That was essentially his attempt at giving an origin story for the Native Americans, which, you know, later on we, we come to know through genetics that, well, they came over the Bering Strait from Asia. In other words, he knew exactly that he was deceiving and that he was being insincere. And yet, why did he do it? Well, to gather a following, to give an origin story to his people, uh, the Mormon people, whatever it was. But yeah, doctrines of demons. And I just want to go over here to uh, first, or Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul the Apostle says this to the Galatians. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Then he goes on, as we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So he says it twice. Um, and his point is this, look, anybody uh, who preaches to you a gospel which differs from that which has been handed down through the apostles in the scriptures, which is that Jesus Christ was God incarnate, that he came to this earth as the promised Messiah to live a perfect life, a life of perfect obedience to God without sin, to die a sacrificial death on your behalf, to rise in glory on the third day and to ascend to heaven to prepare a place for us. And he will return for us to take us to where he is. Also, I mean, anybody who preaches a different gospel that says that the way of salvation is not by trust and faith in Jesus, but is through earning and deserving it through your own works. Paul says, let that person be accursed. That's what the letter to the Galatians is all about. They had begun to believe a false gospel, which was one about, um, yeah, about earning salvation by being good enough and doing enough things for God. 
And Paul says, if that's what you believe, then be accursed, right? That, that, that is a false gospel. He says, even if an angel from heaven were to preach that to you, that would be, again, this says in 1 Timothy 4, doctrines of demons. That wouldn't be an angel, but it would be a demon preaching to you a gospel contrary to that of Jesus Christ. So all that to say, um, anybody who preaches a gospel, you know, what I always say is this, if you want to differentiate every religion in the world, and if you want to know whether a group that calls themselves Christian is Christian or not, it all comes down to this issue. Who do they say Jesus is? And how do they say you are saved? Those are the two central issues that really differentiate. So like, for example, Mormons talk about Jesus, but the Jesus they're talking about is a fundamentally different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. He's a Jesus who is the brother of Satan, right? He's a Jesus who, um, yeah, did not die for your sins and give you his righteousness as a gift so that you can be saved. Same with the Jehovah's Witnesses, right? The way you are saved is not by um, believing and trusting in Jesus, who is God come to save you, but it is uh, through your own actions and works, earning it and deserving it, which is actually the antithesis of the gospel. So uh, thanks for that question. I do think that 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 is a good application, uh, or it would be a good application to compare the Joseph Smith and the Mormon church to 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. Uh, good to have you with us. Give us a call with your questions about the Bible, your questions. Maybe you've been reading the Bible or you have questions about theology or maybe just something in your life and you're wondering, what does the Bible have to say about this? Give us a call. We'd love to chat with you about that. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. 690 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. Well, we've got two open lines still. It would be great to hear uh, from you and uh, give us a call and we'll get you on the air quite quickly. Let's go over to our text line. We've got a few more questions that have come in. Here's one that came in. Someone asked, in Hebrews 10, verse 26, is that referring to the literal sacrifices of animals? So let's go over and look at Hebrews 10, 26, and here's what it says. This is the writer of the Hebrews writing, and he says this, If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, then there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Okay, so here's what he's saying. You have to understand the context of the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish people from a, uh, let's see, Jewish Christians from a, yeah, that's what I want to say, Jewish Christians. So Christians of a Jewish background who were being tempted to leave Christianity, right? These are people who had become Christians. They were Jewish heritage, Jewish ethnicity, Jewish background, and they were being tempted to leave Christianity and go back to Judaism because they were facing persecution. So that's the whole context. And it's really important to remember that context as you read through the book of Hebrews, because that's what the author is responding to. And here's what he's saying. Look, he says, look, if you 
go back to Judaism. Do you understand? You're abandoning Jesus. You're giving up on Jesus as the sacrifice for your sins, as the uh, atoning sacrifice for your sins and the one who reconciles you with God. So if you're doing that, realize there is no other sacrifice for sins available other than Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, there is only fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. In other words, so to answer your question, is this referring to sacrifices of animals? No, it's saying that apart from Jesus, there is no sacrifice for sins anywhere else, right? The sacrifices of animals in the Jewish system, which existed, you know, until the temple was destroyed, that was not sufficient to remove sins forever. That's what he explained in Hebrews chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10. So really, he's making a, a, a just a, a plea to these people who were thinking about leaving Christianity because they were being persecuted and saying, listen, if you do this and you sin, you understand there will be, there's no other sacrifice anywhere else that can cover your sins. So you must turn to Jesus. That's that's the point there. Hey, thanks for that question. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. We'll get you on right after the break and we'll be back in two minutes time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller. We've got Kevin in Windsor, Colorado. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the program. Hey, uh, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. Yeah, um, you know, I heard you're going over to to Austria, and of course, my wife wants to go there, and we've been trying to, you know, get a good Calvary. We're going to one in Windsor off and on, but then. Pastor Scott, I'm just heartbroken about that. So anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I uh, I just got an email from the church there. So some of some of our listeners might know that very sadly Pastor Scott Cox and his wife Nancy passed away suddenly and tragically on July fourth in a car accident. Um so right now the solution is they're gonna be having a series of pastors guest speaking on Sunday until they can get an interim pastor and a new pastor for their church, but they plan to keep moving forward and honoring, you know, Pastor Scott, who started the church. So, so Kevin, my advice to you, uh, stick it out with that church, man. They they have a future and uh, they, they'd probably be blessed by your presence there. Oh, yeah. But uh, my question is, uh, will there be animal sacrifice in the millennium kingdom? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I would, so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Let's remember two things about this. Uh, First of all, we are told in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, that there is no more need for any more sacrifices after Jesus. So Jesus's sacrifice was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Now, some pushback to that, potential pushback, could be that people would say, 
Well, you must remember that not all sacrifices were for the purpose of atoning for sins. So in the book of Leviticus, we have the first seven chapters outlined for us seven different types of sacrifices that were made, and each of these sacrifices served a different purpose. So there was one called the fellowship offering, there's one called the burnt offering, and both the fellowship offering and the burnt offering, for example, are not about atoning for sin at all. They're actually about having fellowship and communion with God. And so, like, for example, the and, and particularly the burnt offering signified complete devotion to God. It was your way of saying, God, I am so devoted to you, you know, that I'm bringing this sacrifice to the altar, and I'm not even going to eat the meat from the sacrifice, any of it. I want it to all be completely consumed on the fire in the same way, Lord, consume my life. Right? So uh, that would be some of the pushback. Some people say, well, what's the point of having a temple in a millennial kingdom if you're not having sacrifices? Because that's the whole purpose of the sacrifices, or that's the whole purpose of the temple. So I push back against both those things for these reasons. Uh, regarding the sacrifices, I would push back and say, well, even though there were sacrifices that weren't all about atoning for sin, let's remember that Jesus' death accomplished more than just atoning for sin. Jesus' sacrificial death also created the way for us to be restored to fellowship with God, right? And so there's the fulfillment of the um, sacrifice, uh, the fellowship offering. And it says, very important verse, we're circling, highlighting, underlining in your Bible, Colossians chapter 2, I think it's verse 18. Let me check real quick. But it is um, where Paul says, everything that came before was about, uh, what does he say there? Okay, sorry, it's verse 17. He says, everything that came before was shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So that means when you read the Old Testament and you see about the fellowship offering, etc., these were shadows of what is to come in Christ. Okay, so there's that. And so basically, each of those seven sacrifices speaks to and foreshadows something that would be accomplished in and through and by Jesus on his, through his death on the cross. So that's the answer to that. The other one about the temple, what's the point of having a temple if you don't have sacrifices? What's the point of having a priesthood if they don't make sacrifices? Well, there were other things that were done in the temple, right? There was the lighting of the candles. There was the showbread. There were um, the washings and things like that. Now, again, these things have been, they were all symbols which are now fulfilled in Jesus. And so what will the purpose of the temple be? Uh, I'm not sure exactly, other than maybe there will be some symbolic things that take place with the candles, with the bread, uh, with the washings, etc. But they will point to Jesus, and I think that there will be no more sacrifice, particularly because of what it says in Hebrews chapters 9 and 10. Yeah, it's interesting, the, um, the show right before you came on, uh, uh, Pastor F uh, Jeff Figg, He's in Ezekiel talking about that temple. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's a good good answer. Good, a lot of good things to think about for me. Definitely appreciate you. God bless you. Hey, God bless you, Kevin. Bye bye. Uh, so Kevin was just calling from Windsor, and you know I was in uh, Fort Collins with many of the other Calvary Chapel pastors this past Tuesday for Scott and Nancy's funeral. So I would just encourage you, our listeners, be praying for. There's two sons, uh, most importantly, but be praying for um, Calvary Chapel Windsor as they uh, lead, you know, and set out on this new direction and this thing which they didn't ever expect to have to do. 
um, which is to seek the Lord for who will be the next leader and pastor of their church, but um, be praying for them and, uh, and encouraging them if you have the opportunity. So with that, you're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897 is the text line again. So give us a call or send us a text with your prayer requests and with your questions about the Bible. Can't wait to hear from you. Let's go to our next caller, Ernesto in Amarillo, Texas. Hi, Ernesto. Welcome to the program. Ernesto, did we lose you? All right. Ernesto had a question, and here was his question. It's written down here. Why is wisdom personified as a woman and present as at creation? Is that a cherubim or is it something else? Ah, Ernesto, you're hitting on one of the very, very interesting passages in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 9, where wisdom is personified and it is used, uh, they use a female pronoun to speak of wisdom. I'm guessing because of the gentleness. I don't actually know why God chose to uh, use a female pronoun there instead of a male pronoun. But yeah, wisdom is personified as a woman. But you know what's really interesting? That when you read about wisdom personified there in um, Proverbs chapter 9, many people believe that wisdom personified is actually a picture or a, a version of Christ before the incarnation. And so wisdom personified points us to Jesus. That in a sense, when we read, for example, when we read in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, all things were created by him and through him. Okay, understand what's happening there by using the phrase the word some people say well why doesn't it just say jesus why does it say the word well here's why because in the uh, greek culture the philosophers had this thing they talked about called the logos the best way we could describe the logos what that word means and what it meant to the greeks is what we use this word we say a higher power some people say well i'm not sure if i believe in god but i do believe in a higher power right this kind of organizing principle that um is this higher power above us that is organizing the world and organizing uh you know, ideas, morality, ethics, all of those things. And they called that the logos. And so what, what uh, John, the gospel writer, is saying is, he says, hey, you know uh, how you guys believe in a higher power, you, you Greek people? Well, you know what? That higher power has a name. He's a person. He was embodied. And he goes, you know what else? That higher power you believe in? Um, here's the thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the most famous you know, well-known passage from the Bible, John takes it and says, not only is Jesus that higher power, but you know what? That higher power you believe in, there's only one God. He's the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God of the Hebrews. And so the God of the Hebrews is that higher power. And that higher power is um, Jesus, the one who as God became flesh. Right? So he's doing all that, and he's saying this logos, right, the organizing principle, the higher power, wisdom incarnate was another way that they thought of the logos. And so when we go to uh, wisdom in Proverbs 9, here we see a picture of Jesus, right? It says that I was with, um, it says I was with God in the beginning when he created 
the earth. And so that is the idea there. And so a lot of people, when they read that passage, uh, it's actually in chapter eight. This is what it says, uh, eight, eight, verse 32. Now, sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting besides my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Whoever fails to, to find me injures himself and all who hate me love death. And so, yeah, and then there's even before this, right? The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. Um, I was there when God created the earth. So a lot of people look at that and they say, well, this is actually describing Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And one of the ways that we can understand who Jesus is, is that he is wisdom incarnate. And then it's described here in Proverbs chapter nine. So that would be uh, an answer to your question there. Uh, it was not a cherubim or any other created being, um, but rather the wisdom of God, which is incarnate in Jesus. So hope that makes sense. And I hope that, um, that that answer satisfies your curiosity. And I would just encourage you to keep reading the Bible and keep asking those kinds of questions. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got all open lines once again. The number to call is 303 690 3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go back over to our text line as we wait for more calls to come in. One person texted in and said this. There's a song called In Jesus' Name by Katie Nicole. It has beautiful lyrics. However, some of the words are disconcerting. They sound like word of faith teaching or name it and claim it teaching speaking words that can be used to manipulate the faith force and actually create what they believe scripture promises. How are we to accept these songs that have uh, interspersed these name it and claim it teachings, yet not all the lyrics are speaking the words of life? Yeah, great question. I think that we should be cautious. You know, I think that uh, songs have a very uh, didactic power, didactic meaning teaching things, right? Uh, if you go back to the Wesleys, like John and Charles Wesley, you know, John Wesley was the preacher, but Charles Wesley wrote thousands of songs. And he said that his goal was to teach people theology through music because many of the people in England at that time did not know how to read and write. So you couldn't tell them, hey, just read your Bible. So instead he got them to sing these things until they believed, right? And so as they sung them, these biblical truths and principles stuck in their heads. Now that can go the other way as well. That's why we want to be sure that the things that we're singing in church particularly are doctrinally correct and sound and that they are teaching us uh, correct biblical principles. So I did pull up the lyrics to this song, uh, In Jesus' Name, God of the Possible by Katie Nicole. Now I am curious uh, what verse or what passage you are taking issue with. I don't want to read this entire song out for our listening audience right now, but I did read through it during the break and I'm struggling to find the thing that you are taking issue with besides one thing I thought maybe you're taking issue with. Um, this person saying, I pray miracles over your life in Jesus name, in Jesus name. I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessings, every promise he is faithful to keep. I speak the name and then it goes on and on. Um, and then it says, I pray, you know, that these things would flee in Jesus name, pray a breakthrough would happen in Jesus name, pray miracles over your life. And it says, come believe it, come receive it. Now, 
I would tell you this, that there is a problem with what we call uh, word faith teaching. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, word faith teaching is simply uh, a type of thing that's come into Christianity. It has roots in uh, non-Christian beliefs. Some people would say New Age. I would argue that it actually goes back further than the New Age movement, which is actually a relatively recent movement. I would say it has roots in um, way, you know, in ancient thought as well. But it's basically the idea that says you can create reality through your words. And they've put kind of a a pseudo-biblical spin on it that says God created us in his image. God's a creator, and he spoke light and the earth and everything else into existence. And therefore, since we're created in the image of God, we have the ability to speak things into existence and to create with our words. So they would use the phrase, um, words create worlds, but they would mean it literally in the sense that you can call things into existence through your words. Now, this is a little bit more of a spin on it. They're saying, if you use the name of Jesus, that name has authority, and then you can claim even more things into existence. I would tell you that, you know, what's wrong with that is several things. One of them is that it, what's wrong with it is that it seeks to use God as a tool to get what I want. It also is not what it means to be created in the image of God. God didn't create us with that kind of power. Like, so they, they would go to this degree of saying, you should never say that you're sick, even if you are, because, you know, your words will create that or strengthen that even more. Again, this is like mystical teachings, which have nothing to do with Christianity in the Bible. You can admit it if you're sick, right? Like you can, you can say that it's okay. Um, the other thing I would say is this, on the other hand, we are told that we have the opportunity to pray for things in Jesus's name and that it is powerful. And yet to pray in Jesus's name isn't a magic word like abracadabra. It is to pray according to his will and according to his power, right? According to his will and according to his power and according to his authority. So if I say, hey, can you go to the post office and pick something up in my name, right? I, all I'm saying is I want you to go to the post office on my behalf and do this thing, which I want you to do. And you're doing it in my stead, in my place there. So Jesus is saying he's in heaven at the right hand of the father, and he's giving us the authority to act on his behalf here on earth. But anytime we act in a way that's not actually according to his will and desires, we're no longer acting in his name and by his authority. And so I think that um, the, there's nothing really that I would take direct issue with. Um, you know, maybe you're hearing some phrases that you've heard from those teachers. A lot of times what happens with false teaching is that they'll take phrases that are biblical and yet they'll, they'll spin them in a certain way, but we can't, here's my thing. I think that they should not be allowed to own certain phrases, right? Just because people have done things wrongly doesn't mean they get to own that and they get to be the ones who own that phrase, especially if it's a biblical phrase. So we should redeem those biblical phrases, use them correctly. And um, I would say personally with this song, yeah, declaring blessing. I think that's the only phrase that really sticks out to me. Do we have the right to declare blessing biblically? Um, there is, There are some Psalms that talk about speaking blessing. Um, I don't know if they go so far as declaring it, um, where the line is between that. So I would say, 
hey, look, you know, if you can read this song and you can run it through a biblical filter and you can be spitting out any any of the bones or seeds as you go along the way, I think you're going to be okay. Um, but if you also feel like, hey, you know what? I just don't want anything to do with that kind of teaching or anyone who's associated with it. I respect that too. Let's go to our next caller, Anthony in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to the program. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing great. What's up? All right. I was calling because I was listening to one of the callers was speaking about uh, cursing God. Say if you're mad at him and you and things just ain't going right and you just cussing, would that stop you from getting in heaven? Ah, okay. Well, yeah, if you're saying that uh, taking the Lord's name in vain, uh, is that the same as swearing or cursing? I would say, um, no, that's not the same. Right, like using foul language, swearing, cursing, will that keep you from going to heaven? Well, certainly we are told in the Bible not to have any unclean words on our mouth, right? So to do that um, would be, I would say, I would say that's sinful to do that. However, um, I would also tell you this, that what keeps you from going to heaven is what you believe about Jesus. And so if you truly trust in Jesus, for your salvation, if he's truly the Lord of your life, that is what you will be judged on, not whether you said uh, foul words. However, I want to add this. If Jesus is truly your Lord, then it will bear fruit in your life, the Bible says, and there will be a transformation that takes place. Paul speaks about it as what he calls the progress of your faith. So in other words, if, if you're faith is not making progress in your life, if you're not seeing real transformation take place, if you've been saying for years, I believe in Jesus, but nothing ever changes in your behavior, that should be like the check engine light on your car that tells you that even though you're rolling down the highway, something's not right. You need a pull over. You need a check because maybe you need to really ask the question, am I truly in the faith? Have I truly surrendered my life to Jesus if there is no fruit evident in my life? Right, right. I you answer my question. Well, would you? Could I pray for you? Would that be yeah. all right? All right, let's do that. Yes. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I pray for Anthony. I just ask him, Lord, that truly you would help him. If he hasn't yet truly surrendered his life to you, Lord, I pray that he would do so today. Whatever might be holding him back from giving you not just his life, but every area of his life, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen him, give him the ability and the desire to do that even now. And Lord, furthermore, I pray, Lord, there would be real transformation in his life so that there wouldn't be any doubt in his mind over whether or not he belongs to you and he has a home in heaven. So I pray for him, Lord, strengthen him, encourage him, help him as he walks in faith and Lord, do a transforming work in his life so other people would look at him and they would say, wow, we can see the life of Christ made manifest in his life. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Anthony. Take care. Thanks All for right. calling in. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Pat in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Pat. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, uh, Pastor Nick? Uh, I was just listening to the program, and you were speaking about Proverbs 8 and wisdom. And 
I had a, a different take that I'd be interested in your opinion about. <clears throat> I had just did a study on that. I was just reading on that. And the way I took that is it's a tie-in to, to uh, Chapter 7, where Solomon first explains uh, about what a devious woman looks like, and now he uses in Chapter 8 the woman called Wisdom. So Wisdom is the woman that's speaking. And she's saying, I think the way I took it was, she's saying, listen, it's important that you seek wisdom in your life. I'm wisdom. I was there when God created the heavens and the earth. He created me, meaning more of a characteristic of God uh, to, to, expel the, to, to show the importance of how important it is to seek wisdom in your life. Um, and he was trying to tell his students that. So he's using this woman, and wisdom's the woman. Seek me. If you hate me, well, then there's death in your your path, and there's destruction. But if you seek me, you're you're you you will do well. So I took it more like that. Like Solomon was just trying to tell his students, here's the importance of wisdom, and and being at the creation, and God using wisdom to create. It's like her credentials. She's mm-hmm. trying to say, hey, listen, this is how important I am. Yeah, let, let me give you one counter-argument to that, which I think backs up my point. And uh, I did not share it earlier, and I should have. But here's here's what it is. So I'm, I'm really glad you called in, by the way. So uh, here's what it is. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Remember that whole point where Paul says, first of all, he says a famous, beautiful verse, right? He says, um, for in... In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, so it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Right? But then he says, um, which is related, of course, to where he says in verse 18, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. But then listen to what he says here. He's kind of riffing on wisdom and power, right? Because he says, verse 22, the Jews demand signs. In other words, Jewish people always want to see signs in order to believe. That's what they, we can see that with Jesus. Uh, they were always asking for signs. And he says, but the Greeks seek wisdom. That's the thing that they're into. It's what they're after. It's what they're persuaded by. But he says this, but we preach Christ, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Now look at this next verse, verse 24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. All right, so taking that verse, that Christ is the wisdom of God, that is why many people have gone back to Proverbs verse or chapter 8 and said, when we read about the wisdom of God and about how it will be incarnated, at least that is a picture pointing forward to, like we said in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 17, how all of these things were shadows pointing to Christ. Um, Proverbs is essentially saying, you know, if you were to ask the question, how does Proverbs point to Jesus? What we have in Proverbs is we have the wisdom of God given to us. And then we look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and we see that Jesus is the wisdom of God incarnate, and then we draw the line between the two. But I think that, like, um, as far as like the for the average reader reading the book at that time, I think it would have been exactly what you're saying. He's contrasting the woman of folly as well as you remember he talks about this woman, the adulterous woman, 
who's trying to, uh, which is folly, right? So he's, he's drawing a contrast between the adulterous woman and wisdom who's personified as a woman. So I think, I think you're right in that aspect. What threw me a little is wisdom says in, in um, I don't have my Bible with me right now, but wisdom says I was created and I, mm. by him and I was born. Well, the reason why I, I turned away from it being Christ is Christ was neither created nor born. Yeah, uh, no, that's a, that's a really good always, point. No, super so, good point you're making. And, and here's the answer I've heard to that. And I don't think it's a satisfactory answer. So here's where I'm, I'm actually with you, right? Is that they're saying that God gave, brought forth wisdom. Um, and that is in verse 24 of chapter, chapter eight, brought forth wisdom. So people say, oh, well, see, that's just how like Jesus was begotten by the father. In other words, the son is from God, the father. I actually reject that. I don't, I don't believe that Jesus is from the father, right? Um, because he's eternally existent. He is God and he was with God from the beginning. So yeah, I'm with wow. you on that, that one. All righty. That so was I, interesting. Uh, I, Pastor. I, I guess I would say where I'm at with you is I, I agree with you. It's not a perfect parallel, but there's something to be said for first Corinthians one verse 24, that Jesus no, is the wisdom of God incarnate. And that wisdom of God is described in throughout the book of Proverbs, particularly there in, in chapters eight and nine. Pastor, very good. As always, it's a pleasure speaking with you. Same. Good to, good to hear your voice. Take care. All right. God bless you. Hey, we've come up to the end of our show, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it today. I am, God willing, going to be with you again next Friday. I will have just arrived off the plane, so you got to tune in next Friday, okay, to see if I made it for the show. Hey, God bless you. Again, my name is Nick Cady, Pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out. Visit us in person. We'd love to have you. Check us out. Find directions at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And have a great evening and a blessed weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.